0: Oh, boy. Hey, everybody. It's good to see you. Welcome home. Uh, Coming off Easter last week, I'd like to open with a scripture from Romans 8, starting in verse 11. So if we could stand for the reading of scriptures. This is starting in verse 11 through 14. And we stand out of respect for the Word of God. So here we go. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Let me say that one more time. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But! If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, what? You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. So happy to see you. So happy. That, uh, that you decided to join us for, for church this morning. A special welcome to everyone online joining us either right now or, I don't know, whenever you watch. We're glad that you're tuning in. Uh, just one quick announcement before we get into our series. So uh, back in February, um, we started this conversation about trying to kind of figure out what was working and what wasn't working. And so I put together a focus group. And some of you here in the room, we had about 25 people as a part of a focus group. And we're going to be doing more of these throughout the year. But for the month of March, I invited this focus group over to my house, and we ate dinner every Sunday um, for the entire month of March, and we just talked about the future. We talked about what we saw God doing in our midst and what we believe God was leading us to next. And and out the other side of March, we came to a number of conclusions about student ministry and and younger adult ministry and, and all these different cool possibilities. But more than anything, what we realized is that we really needed to lean into the Lord in prayer. And so as a church, what we came out of this focus group deciding is that we were going to commit to a month of really petitioning and and asking that the Lord would, would speak to us in big ways. And so starting in the month of May, we're going to be teaching for the entire month of May on how to pray. Now some of you might be thinking, well, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your... Yes, you're absolutely right. But it, there's something about us that that often, like Pastor Manny was saying, it can get stuck up here before it hits here. And so what we wanted to be able to do is really double down on what it means to pray, how to pray, how to not just be a church that prays, but to be a praying church. And so in the month of May, starting in the morning, we're going to talk about the good life of prayer. And then Sunday nights in May, we are going to be having four weeks of prayer practice together from five to seven here at the church on Sunday nights. And we'll get you more information about it, but we're basically going to be talking through, um, talking to God, talking with God, praying, and, and really just asking that God would move in our midst. And so every Sunday in May, I just encourage you, this is going to be an amazing time to grow as a community and also to just practice your faith in prayer we're going to eat together, we're going to talk just a little bit, and then we're just going to practice. We're going to practice praying together in the month of May. Does that sound good? Cool. So um, I know that some of you are like, oh, I'm not good at prayer. That's what this is about, okay? Because as God's people, um, Jesus says that his, his, his church will be a house of prayer. And if we are, are just a, a church that prays without really being a praying church, we'll never fully experience really the fruit and the future that God has for us. And so we'll give you more details in the coming weeks, just kind of some formatting for what it'll look like so so you don't feel like you're totally out, like, ah, I don't know what's going on. Um, but it's gonna be an amazing time. So thank you, Focus Group, also for making it all the way through March, and we're gonna have a couple more of those throughout the year. All right, well, if you don't know me, my name is David. Really happy to be sharing from the scriptures today. I'm one of your pastors, and um, yeah. So for the next three weeks... Um, we are going to be taking a closer look at what it means to be the church as we follow Jesus into the good life of community. Community. And if you remember, like I said before, all the way back in January, we started this extended conversation called The Good Life, responding to the words of Jesus in Matthew 11 that have been massively important and, and, and influential over us. And this is from Matthew 11, verse 28. It'll be on the screen. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And if you're kind of new to church um, or kind of new to the Bible, what Jesus is saying is here, he's just saying, Come to me, and let me show you how to live like God always intended. Come to me and let me show you how to live. Take my yoke upon you, which means my way of life. Take my way of life upon you, and you will find rest. Shalom, perfect peace for your souls. You'll find the good life. And in January, we talked about rest. In February, we talked about stewardship. In March, we talked about worship. If you missed any of those, they're all online. Go back and catch up. Because today, we're moving on again to this morning as we talk about community. And the community that Jesus is calling us into. Sound good? Yes, of course, Pastor David. Okay, before we get too far down the road, um, let's define some terms, because community is a is kind of a buzzword and carries with it a number of meanings and a number of cultural assumptions that aren't always helpful. And so, when I say community, here's what I mean. It'll be on the screen a definition here. That community is the fellowship, joint participation, and partnership of individuals in a common place toward a common mission. In the scriptures, we see this word most oftenly used uh, in the Greek as koinonia, koinonia. And a prime example of koinonia coming from Acts chapter 2, and it's going to be a bit of a Bible, but just stick with me. It says this. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to koinonia, to fellowship, to community and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship, their their koinonia, their their community, added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amazing. It's absolutely brilliant. Jesus calls in Matthew 11, and this church, the early church, answered, they answered in Acts chapter 2, committing to fellowship, committing to community, to joint participation and partnership in a common place for a common mission, And this is the picture we have for the good life of community in the Scriptures. Still, this begs the question, out of all the things we could be talking about that Jesus is calling us into and leading us toward, why is it that we're going to be talking about community? Why are we talking about koinonia? We're talking about community for three key reasons. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. First and foremost, we're talking about community because as Christians, our primary action— Our primary objective for life is following Jesus, and Jesus is leading us to community. Now, how do we know? This is the second thing. It's because Jesus literally exists in community. He exists in it and ultimately defines koinonia through what's called the Trinitarian reflection. Good stuff. Ready for some theology? Here we go. What does this mean? It means that God... As three persons, one God as three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the one triune God, which I know is complicated, and maybe we'll get to that soon, but the one God in three persons, he chooses to live in community with himself, with one another, each one existing in fellowship, in joint participation and partnership, here's that definition, in a common place toward a common mission called saving the world. Now, why did, why did God in three choose to do this together? It's to relationally support one another in ways only they can. The Father with the Son, the Son with the Spirit, and the Spirit with the Father. All bringing different roles and responsibilities and purpose to the person of God. So, bringing it all back around. God is a community. God is a community. But God also defines community with his own relationship. And this means that if Jesus is calling us to follow him and take on his way of life, and if we're created to be like God and live like him, then stepping into this practice of community is not only inevitable, but it's non-negotiable. Why? Because God is a community. And if we're with God, then we must also be a community, a koinonia, a fellowship. And that's second. But that's not all. There's more. Practically, friends, number three, we're talking about community because we as people exist in what is without a doubt the most individualistic culture in the history of humanity. I mean, just think about all the mixed messages we get on a daily basis. Where self-sacrifice, self-discipline were once seen as virtues, they're now seen as impossibly naive as we're encouraged to just be you. Just be you. Find your truth. You do you, man. Like, like we somehow have become so important. Like we've somehow become the center of the universe as we build our own little worlds. And while this cultural shift towards individualism has perhaps, you know, created greater freedom for us to explore our own personal passions, and, 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 and that can be fun, no doubt. It also has, I would say, significant negative implications on the world and its people. In fact, recent studies have found that this shift into individualism has led to to significant increases in stress, less social support, more anxiety, more depression, more mental illness, more divorce, more loneliness, more substance abuse, more suicide. And not to mention just massive and massive amounts of debt as we try to acquire more and more things to satisfy us. Hardly sounds like the good life, right? I mean, we might have the ability to decide who we are and what we want based on our own feelings and our own inner self, but, but at what cost? Friends, the world is literally being torn apart by individualism in the endless pursuit of self-indulgent discovery and personal happiness. And we know it because we've all experienced the wake of its destruction on both sides of the wave. But y'all, I am telling you, and I'm here to tell you, that God is inviting you and me into a better way. And that way is called koinonia community. Into the good life with him together as we begin to model this Trinitarian reflection called community. So for the next couple weeks, um, we're going to take a closer look at the three parts of God, the three parts of God, and and the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and the roles that they play in their community so we can begin to do the same in ours. We're going to start today first with the Father and the Father's role. So what is the Father's role in his triune community? And honestly, what does it mean for us as we begin to think about what's expected of us and what's good for us? as his church. Well, if you're taking notes, the father's role in community is exactly as it sounds. He is the dad. He is the head of his house. And and he as the head of the house is forming a family. a family. The book of Ephesians says it like this, chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. Again, a lot of Bible, but it's worth it. So just whatever you need to do to process this information, if it's reading, if it's closing your eyes and just listening, whatever it is, but this is the word of the Lord. It says this. God is building a family. Starting in verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, without koinonia community, but now you have been unified, united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, He united the Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace with Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. And this is the end. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles who were far from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And y'all, this is the community that God made us to be. We are the Father's house. We are the Father's house. We are no longer strangers Or foreigners. We are no longer individuals wandering aimlessly down an abstract road of faith. No, God says we are citizens of of heaven with all God's holy people. And this is our Christian confession for the past 2,000 years that when you give your life to Jesus and have the Holy Spirit living within you, the scripture says that you are now a member of God's family together with all who believed all who believe now and all who will ever believe that we are, verse 20, the Father's house. It's not me. It's not you. It's we. It's we. Now, now this is essential that we understand that our faith is not individual, just me and Jesus. No, it's, it's all of us in God's family. Now, I, I understand that this might be a shift in our hearts and minds, because of what we've been told in the evangelical tradition, that it's just all about our own personal relationship with Christ. And and while that matters, this altar call moment matters, you know, where we invite Jesus into our heart, if you actually look to the scriptures, you'll see that it's so much more than just a personal relationship. Because if you've been, if you've given your personal life to Jesus, then you are now a part of something so much greater than you could ever be individually on your own. You become Y'all, right? We say this. You become y'all. You are now a part of an eternal legacy of faith with a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on. You are now in a community of believers, a fellowship that will echo far beyond your mortal days and into a kingdom that will never end. Your story becomes our story. My story becomes our story. We're family. In the house of the Father, where the door is always open and the table is always set. And this is what the Father did. And how God the Father, in his Trinitarian reflection, defines and sees community. He made community into a family. And and there was once a family called Israel that was so called and exclusive, but now because of Jesus. All the world, we see that written as Gentiles. There's the Jews, and then there's the rest of the world. Now the Jews and the Gentiles have been crafted into a new people, a new family called the church. Now, okay, this sounds good, right? I mean, what a gift that we can be family of God. But what, what does this mean? What does it mean to be God's people? And I guess how does that bring focus to our understanding of, hey, we're here on a Sunday morning. What does that mean for us moving forward as the fellowship of individuals committed to a common place? and a common mission. Let's take a look. There are a number of descriptors of the father's house in the Bible, but I'd say that there are three primary characteristics, three primary characteristics or family values that help us define life in his house. And so if you're, as God is speaking this over us, he's saying that family is forgiven, family is faithful, and family is what? Forever. Let's see these together as a family. Family is forgiven. Family is faithful. And family is forever. Let's start with the forgiven piece. If you're a Christian, if you are his church, then your confession, believe it or not, must be that not just you, but that we are forgiven. We are a forgiven people in the house of God. And I know we talked about this at length last week. It was Easter Sunday. But forgiveness truly is the key in the door for real community with God. Back to Ephesians 2, it says it like this. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship, from community among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promise God made to them. You lived in a world without God and without hope. This was all of us. But, verse 13, Now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, we learned last week, that brought eternal forgiveness for our sins once and for all. Now, now here's the thing. God says you are forgiven, because you are, because of your faith and his grace. But if, if you're to live and really experience the good life of community God has for you, You can't just know it. You have to to believe it. It can't stay up here. It has to make its way down here. You have to believe that you are free and forgiven from your past, that it's dead and gone like we read in Romans 8, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do you believe it? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. We have to believe this is true, and not only for you, but for y'all. We have to believe it for for y'all. It's one thing to accept the forgiveness of God for your past, and it's a whole other thing to extend that forgiveness to others. To look across the room at your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that might think differently than you or look differently than you or have experienced different things and then still acknowledge that, yes, because of their faith, they are, in fact, forgiven too. Because it's not about you. Who's it about? It's about y'all, okay? It's about y'all being a forgiven family. A forgiven family from the conservative in the house, to the liberal, to the divorced and the celibate, the addict, the grandparent, the empty nester, the gay, the straight, the single mom, the mom of eight, Gen A, Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y, boomers, and beyond. Come on, here we go. Y'all, we have all sinned, right? And we've all lived in ways inconsistent with the good life. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, some more public than others. Still, because of God's great love through Christ and his unshakable belief that, that everyone matters. No matter where you started, you have been given a brand new life in his house with eternal forgiveness. And that's the first value we see, God speaking over his community, his family. That that God's family is forgiven. And just let that sink in for a moment. Think about where you've been. Think about all the ways that you have existed independent or outside of God's dream for you. Just think about that. If you've given your life to Jesus, then you are forgiven. The past, the present, and the future the past, the present, and the future. And so has the person sitting next to you. So that comes first. Family is forgiven. The second value I want to speak to and break down is one that requires a whole lot more from us than just faith, and that is family is faithful. Family is faithful to God and also faithful to one another. Let's start at faithful to God. Back to Romans 8. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're forgiven. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death all the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Friends, if you're a Christian, And I preface this because I know that not everyone in the house has has made that decision. But if you're a Christian, if you're children of God, then you must be faithful to your Father in heaven. You must put first his way, his good life, his expectation, and his house rules. If you've already welcomed him in, now it's time to live the good life with him. And I know that while there are many things begging for our attention out in the world, there's no shortage of distractions that we face every single day. Verse 12 says that you have no obligation to those distractions. That these distractions have no power over you. Why? Because you now have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Woo! Can you believe that? Again, sometimes it gets stuck up here. We're like, man, of course, the Holy Spirit lives in and within me. Okay, but listen... The empty grave that made forgiveness forever, right? Eternal forgiveness of sins. That, that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within each of us. And this is our Christian, the Christian confession that we have been saying for 2,000 years. The sin that once held you down in a constant state of striving and shame has now been replaced with salvation once and for all time. Friends, you have been forgiven and now it's time to live faithful. It's time to live faithful. What does that look like? If you're taking notes, in a nutshell, faithfulness to God is simply knowing and then consistently doing what God says is good. And then knowing and then consistently not doing what God says is wrong. Pretty obvious, right? I I know, I know, but that's all it is. It's knowing what's good and then doing it with all the power God provides. And then knowing what's bad, and, and then not doing it with all the power that God supplies. This is what it means to be faithful. Now, how could you ever possibly know what God says is, is good or what God says is bad? Guys, come on. It's right here. I know that some of us were thinking like, oh, man, like, oh, I want to do what's right, you know? Um, but how could I ever know? Open up your Bibles. Download the Bible app and press play. There's an audio feature. You can listen to someone reading the Bible. One of my favorite ways to, to bring truth into my life, go to YouTube and Google Johnny Cash Reads the Bible. It is the best. His, his, his voice really is, it's, it's, it's magical. You know what I mean? But friends, if we're to be faithful to God, we need to know what God says is good and do it and then know what God says is bad and wrong, and flee from it. This is faithfulness to God. Now, what about being faithful to one another? This one is likely, again, pretty obvious. But faithfulness to the family of God starts by just showing up, by being present with one another. Remember, the church is not a club you sign up for. It's not even a team you join. It's a family you are born again into. And no family can grow strong and faithful to the Father unless it's also faithfully growing with one another. Now, how does this play out? Let's talk about it. If you're a Christian, pick a church. Join that church and commit to growing with that church. That's it. If it's not here, go find it somewhere else. Pick a church, join a church, and commit to growing with that church. Pick, commit to growing in that family with one another, the brothers and sisters of God's house. Pick one, join one, and commit to that community, to that fellowship, to that joint participation and partnering in a common place toward a common mission. And again, while it's not always easy to commit, it's actually quite simple. All you got to do is show up. That's it. And I know, I, I know that sometimes we're like, ah, oh, man, I just don't know if this is the right one. Pastor wears a lot of black sometimes. It gets a little loud. I don't know what these hymns are all about. Like, I don't know. But listen, if, if this house is not a home for you, then come and talk to me and I'll help you find one. I will. But if, that, if this house is a home, then you have to show up. And you have to be here. And when you're here, you need to be here. Back to Acts chapter 2, it says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to community, and to sharing in meals, including the Last Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We want believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. We need to live this. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple when each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared the meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I know, y'all, the y'all in the house, I know that this response to the Lord in the first century is unique to them. There were a lot of variables. They thought Jesus was coming back in like two weeks, and so they're like, why do we need all this stuff? Let's just sell it and give it away. So I get that this is unique to them in the first century, but the principles remain true. A faithful family shows up and is present with one another, present together in good times and in hard times, in celebrations and in frustrations, together, often enough to go deep in fellowship, but also wide as partners in a common mission. And this is the key to community as presented by the Father. Show up Be present with God and one another. And that's number two. Everyone feeling good? Of course, Pastor David. It's been so encouraging here today. Okay, so here we go. So number one, family is forgiven. Number two, family is faithful. And this brings us up to number three and why all of this is worth the effort anyway. It's because life as the father's house and his family, it's forever. Family is forever forever. Just like you are forgiven once and for all, your status as sons and daughters is permanent. All who confess Jesus is Lord in this room today will be your siblings in heaven for all eternity. This is how God wants you to see and live as his church, as his people in his koinonia community, that we're lovingly stuck together. Y'all, we are lovingly stuck with one another, like it or not. So we better settle into fellowship. The stuff that bugs you, the apprehensions, the insecurities, the differences, the frustrations, even the fears, man, we got to let it go. Because if y'all, if nothing can separate us from the love of God for all time, Romans, then nothing can separate those whom the Lord loves from one another either. We're family, right? Forever. So first of all, pick the right family. And again, if this isn't for you, that's totally fine. I'm happy to connect you with someone else. But this is how the Father sees his church, his house, and his people. One last time from Ephesians chapter 2. Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, his original people with the rest of the world to form a new people when his, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people, the church, from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Friends, he brought this good news of peace to you, you Gentiles who were far from him, far away from him, and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And this is it, verse 19. So now you, Gentiles, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. His house. And this is the good life of community that God the Father has made for his people. We are his house, a house where, where the family is forgiven, a past, present, future. The family is, is faithful, both with, with God and with one another. And the family is eternal and forever, saved for all eternity through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Christ. We are the Father's house. Thank you, Walter and Fran. John, what about you? Amen? Amen. Okay. Thank you, John. We are the Father's house. So as we close today, thanks for listening. Lots of tangents forming together, but you can handle it. So thanks for listening. Um, But as we close, I'm under no illusion that we're all on the same page here. When it comes to community and life in the family of God, But regardless of where you find yourself, I believe that we can all just take a small step toward this good life with God this morning. And so away from individualism, away from self and into fellowship in the Father's house, we can all take a step. So for the forgiven folks in the room, for the sons and daughters in the family of God, for those who have already crossed that line of faith, here's the challenge that I have for you. Be here and be present if this is your church, then join in. Commit to one another. Commit to this place and our collective mission. Just be here. Choose to make it a priority to faithfully gather with your brothers and sisters so you might faithfully honor your Father in heaven. And this this isn't meant to be some legalistic challenge like, Look at the flannel graph and all the little stars that go on it with perfect attendance. It's not like if you show up three out of four weeks, then you'll be welcome here. No, it's actually the opposite. You're already home. You're already welcome here. So stop living like outsiders. Stop living like strangers and foreigners. Ephesians chapter 2. Instead, plant roots. Dig deep. You're a member of God's family. So wherever God has you, devote yourself to fellowship. Join a team to serve or a group to learn, take interest in those around you because they'll be with you for a long time from here to heaven. So again, for all the forgiven in the house, take a step, be here, be present. It's important. Church is good for you. Now, for all those still wondering where you fit, I see you. For those wondering and wandering on the road of faith, struggling to believe how God or the church could ever love you, or if you'd ever be welcome in his house at his, at his table, hear me when I say that God is waiting for you to come home with an open door and a table set. And so are we. So are we. We're all waiting for you to join the family, to experience forgiveness and welcome the promise of eternity. And, and all it takes to join the family of God for you for you to join y'all, it's just a single step. And you don't have to have it all figured out or be perfect. You don't have to know the right words to say or have all your behaviors in check. Uh, when it, all you have to do is respond to the call of Jesus when he says, Come, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you peace everlasting. That's it. And as you follow him, he'll, he will take care of the rest as you commit your life to him, he, he will take care of the rest. And this is how you join the family of God. He loves you and he sees you and he believes that you matter and that your story will make a difference to the family. The God of the universe wants you to be free and forgiven. And so as we close, if that's you, and you want today to, to, to be the day of decision where you finally welcome Jesus in and he finally welcomes you as family, I just invite you to join me in a in simple prayer of surrender. And and while this confession, it isn't a whole life of faith, it's, it's the first step that literally changes everything. And so just join me. Let's pray together. Let's just bow, bow with me. And you can pray out loud or in your heart, but it, just, it goes a little something like this. It says, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I believe that you are real, that you're good, that you love me, and you lead to peace. I don't know everything, but I believe you see me, and you're calling me into the good life. From here on out, my decision is to follow you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins so I might be family with you forever and take my place as your house. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. I welcome your authority into my life. Lead me, convict me, and fill me with your spirit. From here on out, my life is yours. From here on out, my life is yours. And for everyone in the house, let's say that together. From here on out, my life is yours. Say this with me if you believe it. From here on out, my life is yours. One more time. From here on out, my life is yours. Now, Father, for everyone else in the room, God, I ask that you would give us the courage to be your people. That you give us the capacity to be your family. That we would remember we are new. That y'all are new forgiven people and that we are saved to be faithful to you and one another. God, give us the courage to remember that we would see ourselves and one another with this eternal perspective because family is forever. God, we are so grateful that you call us sons and daughters. Help us as a community, a fellowship of believers, to step into this practice of forgiveness, faithfulness, and future. God, because we are your house thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray, and we all said, amen. Amen. We are the Father's house. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Um, It's great to see you. I see you. If anyone made the decision to join the family of God, come up and talk. I want to know. We want to get you some, some next steps and some resources to help you along the way. Also, if anyone just needs to talk, if anyone needs to pray, we're going to have some folks down up front just to pray with you. Um, We're waiting to serve. But as we go, if you would just stand with me, I'd like to extend a benediction over you from the first... Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and make your whole spirit and soul and body be blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Amen? Amen? Have a great Sunday, everyone. We'll see you soon.